Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 36-year-old from Russell, Ontario, a 7th and ninth round draft pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets. His hockey journey took him to Canada, USA, Wales, Scotland, France, and Germany. He is an OHL champion with the Peterborough Peets and a two-time cocktail hockey league champion. Not sure what the trophy's called. Challenge Cup winner. And um, I pretty much protected him my whole career from Daytona Beach, Ohio to the Cardiff Devils. Welcome to the podcast, Trevor Hendricks. Well, it's about goddamn time, isn't it, Wally? It is about time, eh? Like, this is what, the third try here <laughs> third time's a charm right yeah we're gonna make this happen today and today's episode is brought to you by hendrix hockey we're gonna get into our sponsor a little bit later but usually i discuss how we know each other trevor or are you hendo today which one are you gonna be is it your microwave today or is it mine Our microwave was yesterday i'll, I'll I'm, I'm in a good mood today okay perfect hendo it is okay <laughs> we uh, we're rookies together in the Columbus, Syracuse, Daytona, Beach, Ohio um, organization. And I believe we would have gone to that NHL training camp together and probably practiced with the rookies. Or did you get to play with the real players? Uh, a little bit of both. I remember, like, um, I don't think I really knew of the Brent Walton at that point. But um, I wish I had because I would have been a great training camp. But um, I think we kind of finally crossed paths in Dayton once we tripped on the system. But yeah, it was cool. I, I mean, I remember like um, the, the first camp I went to it was it was cool because they kind of mixed us in with with the actual like NHL players. I remember guys like Rick Nash and Sergey Fedorov were there, and um, you know we had like a, a inter squad game. And this poor kid, I forget his name, but he uh, he made the fatal mistake of giving Rick, Rick Nash a little bit of a rub out on a one on one, and basically Nash just went on the boards totaled his whole knee, missed the whole season. And uh, that poor kid was on a quick flight back to Alberta um, right after that. So um, I'd understand that. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, but we did uh, play quite a bit in Daytona Beach. Um, do you want to get into that season now? Because that's basically, we played there our, my whole rookie year. I never, I got to go to a NHL training camp, but only for 48 hours, practice with the newest draft picks. And I was um AHL signing and then they asked me to kindly leave um so mainly I didn't get many experiences other than like I saw Rick Nash walk by me once but I never actually got to skate with him um but uh Daytona Beach we almost won at Ahendo I mean I don't know if we can just really just blanket it as just talk about Daytona I mean there were so many 
Oh, I got a few things here. Um, I, 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 you know what? We can get deep dive into Daytona Beach when I have some more stuff written down about it. But um, it was quite the time in the Nutter Center there all the way to the finals. But then about a decade later, we have we lose touch. We go our separate ways after my one year and I am off to Germany and you you keep on doing your entry level with Columbus and then you slum it around the minors we'll get into. But um, a decade later, we both signed for the Cardiff Devils. And do you remember? Uh, I'm going to tell a story because we hadn't seen each other in 10 years. And um, I have Lisa. Um, she's pregnant. Um, Colby is a toddler. We got about four hockey bags full of things, a bunch of suitcases. And you walked up with a duffel bag and um, you said, we haven't seen each other in a decade now since we almost win the coast. And you just walk up to me and say, oh, hey, Wally, you're in one. <laughs> uh, that's a good story. It's just, it's, just, it's so it just kind of speaks about our relationship really, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> well, Lisa didn't know you then. And she's like, who is that guy? And why did he just say you're in one? And I was like, well, a lot of baggage here, honey. It looks like <laughs> she knew me back in the Daytona bomber days. So yeah, that was, I mean, that honestly, like, I know like when we, when we first signed here, like Lordo kind of made like a, an email string or whatever it was. And I didn't really know who had signed here. And I just kind of started looking through the names and I saw like, like Brent Walton 10 at hotmail.com or something. I was like, hold on a second, Brent Walton, like that degenerate I played hockey with. My group oh, easy. And I just, I, I, I was so excited to actually see you, but it was, it's funny what actually came out of my mouth the first time I saw you, but I think it's pretty fitting. Yeah. Well, you were still just bringing a duffel bag, man, <laughs> different, different life in the, our, our lives. Um, I guess yours, we're going to get into, but like, mine I, I got married and had a kid and went on the way and I had a lot more suitcases than you at that point but I guess um you headed over there uh we're not too aware and what are you doing now but we'll just bring it up now as you headed over there with that uh one duffel bag and um so um now um if like where where are you now and what's going on like what happened with that duffel bag there Trevor bags multiplied into a bunch of different bags and i don't think i could travel with a duffel bag anymore um that duffel bag i guess you took a duffel bag to move over there for life and i brought all that stuff just for just for a little bit yeah my my duffel bag turned into a wife and a, and a young little boy who's almost two years old so um crazy how things kind of turn out and you know it's a good uh it's a good thing to pack light i guess because you know you always have room for this stuff but uh but yeah, it, it's, I mean, I never, never thought when I came over here that that's, that's where I'd be, that's what I'd be doing, but here we are, and you know, I couldn't be happier, and um, you know, it, it, things kind of happen for a reason, and I think I'm here. Have you, uh, have you ever thought, like, that your kid's gonna speak with an English accent, or a Welsh accent? Have you ever thought about that? I have, and I'm very curious as to what's gonna happen, because I don't think he's just going to come out speaking with one of them. I think it's going to be like very confusing. So I'm going to speak the way I speak and Laura's going to speak the way she speaks. So I, I think he'll be a bit of a hybrid really. Uh, uh, I guess um, I think, I don't think there'll be as much of you if he's around um, Wales all the time. I think you're, I think 
Hunter is going to have in uh, a Welsh accent. And um, anyways, moving on. Um, another reason why I guess so we didn't see each other for a decade and we lost touch, but I feel like we really bonded in Cardiff because I was your alarm clock for quite a quite a few days. I was your alarm clock. Well, Colby was sorry. Colby was not me. I was I, I wasn't your alarm clock. Colby was. Yeah, well, I didn't really have a choice, did I? I mean, I'd get a nice 6 a.m. wake up every Monday morning, um, usually consisted of Colby giving me a people's elbow um, onto my bed. And I basically had to wake up or just receive multiple people's elbows. Um, and I would always hear a little laugh in the corner, just watching like an evil little elf. Um, and I mean, I'm sure it was funny for you. And now that I'm a father, I can appreciate it. But at the time, I, I pretty much hated your guts for that. But um, so folks, every every night that the whole team would go out and I had young kids, and I never really did or got to, you know, I, I was busy. Um, I would be so upset. I never got to go out with everybody or I, I missed the end of the night more or less. I, I would I would get to have some fun, but then I I'd be home earlier so I could be up earlier due to, you know, children. But um, when they would go out, I'd want to know what happened so bad with everybody and any funny stories is that. Uh, is um, yeah, I, they'd leave their door unlocked and they were clo lived close by. So I would, uh, I would just head on in there with the stroller. Colby would hop out, and I'd say, "Go spank him in the butt," or like, "Go jump on him," and you would get so angry. Jeez, but it's I, I think most people would if they were hungover and being woken up at six a.m. by a young child who's giving him elbow drops every two seconds. But I mean, that's, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I don't know. I guess your early is different than my early folks. Like we're not talking six, seven a.m. like the real world folks. We're talking showing up at nine a.m. and he was still sour. But <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, now, now as a father, I can appreciate different times. I'm up at about five o'clock every morning now. So. Oh man, it was fun though. Like it really was. Would we? I'd also go to Herb the Pervs and Cully's and. Uh, and jump on the, or I wouldn't jump on them, but Colby would make sure they were up and see what had happened. But moving on, um, you've also done some frog catching with the kids. Do you remember that story? Probably harder to forget that story than anything. That was one of the funniest things I could ever witnessed in my life. Um, I remember we, well, my wife and I came over to, to Canada for a few months and, and, you know, we drove up to see you in, in Concordon, right? Yeah. And I remember like you, you're not very far from the beach, right? You're like five minutes on your, on your golf cart, whatever. So I remember going there and then like we're on the beach and there was just that little, like, I don't know, like a little river. gully. Yeah. A little water runoff from the farmland. Yeah. Or the, yeah. And I, I know that Colby was like, like, cause when, when we were in Cardiff, Colby was like really into like going on like, little hunts for like spiders and stuff but like I didn't really know Zoe very well because like she was still very young and I remember like seeing that little gully that little ravine and, and Colby just went straight to it and I was like all right let's get some get some frogs and then um it wasn't his first rodeo <laughs> no it was definitely not his first rodeo and then and then I was just I was still kind of like getting to know Zoe because like I hadn't even heard her talk until like I came up she was a few years older and she just got right in there and I couldn't believe it. And she was just like strangling the frogs. Like 
I felt bad for these frogs. She was like death gripping them. And we collected them all and put them in like a pail. And then I think the pail, did it flip over or did, did, did we Oh, they started getting out. They started jumping out of whatever we had them in. And then it turned into like frog races and we the just, kids are running it, around screaming. It was nuts. I think we were like actually crying, laughing so hard. Like the kids were squealing and we were just going absolutely mental. Oh man, that was a fun day. Um, yeah. <laughs> frog catching in uh, Kincardine is a good time. So we're going to get into today's sponsor right now. Before we get into the last part of how we know each other is uh, let's go through what our sponsor is today. Trevor, you're going to break down Hendricks Hockey, who was kind enough to run a uh, Zoom practice for Colby's team, which was awesome. And uh, you're a real pro at this stuff. Um, I've seen you on like NHL.com on whatever it is, Twitter and stuff. And you're, uh, you're getting uh, pretty out there, huh? Yeah, well, it's uh, <laughs> it's been really crazy how it's kind of come about. I mean, I, when I finished playing hockey, I, I always kind of thought I wanted to do something like that and kind of give back to the kids. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just said, well, I'll just give it a try. And I, I put out some flyers, did a camp back home in Canada. It went really well. And um, I just kind of reinvented myself. And I really, really loved it. So um, when I moved over here, I, I just did the same thing so um it's, it's been really really awesome over here because um you know to be able to help help the kids kind of get to the level they want to be at is, is really um very rewarding and it's something that i really pride myself in and it's 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 a fun job it's a great job it's a very rewarding job and um you know i like to think i'm helping these kids kind of accomplish their dreams really um so it's 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 good and it's it's going really well um but yeah, we've we've done with with the current you know COVID stuff. It's been tricky to do hockey camps and stuff. So we've you know done some stuff online and and you know been been as creative as we can. Um, you know, at, at one point I I did the Zoom course and I had kids from five different countries um, taking part, which you know at the time it was just kind of like oh this is great. But but looking back, like that's a really cool memory to have. You know, a kid from you know, United States, kid from Canada, a kid from Scotland, a kid from um, Ireland, a kid from England, a kid from Wales. Like that's, that's really cool to be able to coach, you know, all those kids in one session. So um, I think in a few years, we'll probably really appreciate it a bit more, but um, you know, we made the best of the situation, but uh, yeah, kind of looking forward to getting back to a much more normal. What are, you, what are you playing with, with your hands? You're getting all handsy. What is that? Yep. Stop it. Stop that right now. Put it away. Stop, stop playing with your dinghy, Trevor. <laughs> we can, no, we can hear you. We can hear you. I've been trying to open this to put on the tables because my son is an absolute lunatic and he's trying to run around the place and he doesn't really care about sharp corners. So mm. I'm trying to open this up so I can put it on the corners. I'm sorry. What? Yeah, no, we can hear you, Trevor. And um, he's probably running around just hip checking people. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, Hendricks hockey is really cool and how professional you were running that practice with the team. I could tell it wasn't your first time. Um, it was incredible. And, uh, I'm not sure if you're still doing the zooms all over the place or if you, I saw your camps are back open over there. So, um, I did want to mention before I get into what happens at your camps is, uh, I wanted to know about the new thing you put in the, the Viola arena, the Cardiff devils arena. Mm. Well, it's actually, I think it's actually uh, 
different name now. I don't, I don't think the Viola company is still around. So I think it's, it's reverted back to Ice Arena Wales, but, oh. uh, but yeah, I, um, there was two, two kind of studio rooms at the rink that, that hadn't really been used. So, um, I thought I could make some purpose out of them and, um, basically built a gym in the one and, uh, a synthetic kind of shooting area, skating pad in the other. Um, and it was kind of a nice little, uh, project to have, uh, during the lockdown, it gave me something to do. Hey, um, now, now you're playing the drums. Playing the drums. You you're about? tapping your fingers. Goodness, you're gosh. getting you're getting I, all handsy on me would you stop it put them away I just sit here like this oh my gosh i don't know how laura does it you must be so handsy um no the way i saw the pictures and what you've done in that arena and it looks state-of-the-art um i saw the gym beside it like that looks incredible for like aren't the devils even going to train there too yeah so it's um you know, the Devils, it's, it's going to be a great thing for them because, uh, you know, now they have their own training facility at the rink, which as a player is such a such a great thing. Um, like, I, I think, you know, from when when you played there, like, it's it's nice to have a gym, but when you have to actually leave the rink and drive there, it's, you know, as silly as it sounds, it's a bit of an inconvenience. So having it right there is, uh, is amazing. And it would be really nice to just finish practice and go up, work out and be done instead of drive across the, yeah. the city. Yeah, I get that. Um, I remember those days. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be really cool. I think the devils really like it. And, you know, to be able to provide a facility like that for the kids here is going to be amazing because, you know, you'd only see something like that in Canada. So to be able to, to bring that here is going to be great. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just, I'm just so excited to to open it, but I can't because of the restrictions. So hopefully, hopefully soon we can get it open and get some kids in there and, and get them training again. So, yeah, for sure. And I've even ran one of your practices with you when I came over to Cardiff there. I guess it's like almost two years ago now. Um, and it was a good practice. You had me sweating. You definitely graced them with some one-handed push-ups. I think that's why you were sweating. Oh, did I try and do a one-handed push-up for them? For the boys? I don't think you tried. I think you made a bet and you lost. And then you came in hot with one-handed push-ups. Oh, that was that was the kid that came to the game the next night and we saw him, right? Yeah, he was a nice guy. Nice kid. You, you uh, actually did. You did You did bang out 10. I don't know if... if one-handed push-ups I did? Yeah. I don't know if I would... Shut up. You did. They were they were a bit sketchy, but, you I, you know, I kind of gave you the 10 just to give you the... Wow, well, form wasn't really my thing, but that... that that's great. Um, that was a good practice, though, and I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you, what you're doing in Cardiff. I think the, the the kids that all grew up watching like our team play, which was crazy to think that people remembered me when I went back. I thought everybody would have forgot, but that fan base is so loyal and they love the Devils so much that like people actually remembered me. And the kids remembered me. And they and what you've done is basically you met them like seven years ago when we first played right and you now you're seeing what some of them have are becoming right i mean that's kind of my my favorite part of it is that like you know these kids i'm coaching now their parents will show me a picture of of them and me when you know four or five years ago when i was playing here and like for the kids it's, it's such a cool thing to have me coaching them and it's 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 equally as cool for me to to be coaching you know kids that i met when i was here and you know, I think that they really get a lot out of it. And it's, it's such a cool, um, 
cool experience to be able to do that and you know seeing seeing the kids and, and the excitement and you know even even now they got my camp so i'll have a few of the devils out there on the ice and like you know that that just that's such a cool thing to have like i i always try to make my camps um as i would like them to be if i was a kid um and to have to have your heroes on the ice whether they're from the past or present um i think is a, is a super cool thing um and if i think back to when i was a kid if i had my heroes on the ice i mean that would be absolutely amazing so um <laughs> Yeah, it, it is weird to think like, yeah, guys like us that are going over to the UK league to think we're like kids heroes, right? But I guess, yeah, like that is their NHL over there, right? And they see us play. And um, But anyways, um, yeah, good job getting that going. Um, and the only other thing while we got our sponsor on here and we're discussing the business is um, I just want to bring up like what could happen at camp. So say say you're in what was it scotland or anywhere and like the game's tied at the end of the game what what would happen <laughs> i see where this is going uh, i hope so <laughs> <laughs> i have the video on my phone i know so obviously you, you you know doing camps in different locations you're exposed to lots of different things and um i i did a camp in scotland and this this just was such a funny and awesome thing that happened and the, the kids that i had there were just they're such awesome kids and it, i think we could get it going in bruce county like you know where i live i really think that if the kids thought it was funny like those kids did like this could become a thing like it was the best video i've seen so go ahead yeah and and so i forget what game we were playing we were playing some sort of game and it was one against one and and these two kids they just you know they tied and they couldn't well they could figure out how to how to decide who won and i believe it's it, called overtime <laughs> yeah they, they weren't they weren't sure if they could if they could do their version of overtime so they asked me they said Trevor, is it okay if we do a muaf and i said did you say a muaf <laughs> like like moo as in a cow and he and he said he said yeah a muaf and i said well what the hell is a muaf and <laughs> <laughs> like i'm 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 not laughing yet because i don't really know i'm kind of laughing in my head but but you know they said a muaf and the kid says well it's when it's when me and my partner we get down on all fours and we pretend we're cows <laughs> and, and we, we... <laughs> i can't put the headset on you can just go man i'm taking the headset off i'm, I'm, try, I'm trying so basically they get on <laughs> sorry sorry i thought to get you off track yeah. so they get there they're down all fours they're looking at each other and it's a moo off so basically one of them moves <laughs> moves <laughs> moves like a cow as loud as possible and the other one just <laughs> just sits there <laughs> uh, so the one basically the goal of of the muaf is for the first person to laugh <laughs> guess what folks it would be really hard to win because when you get some of those kids moon at you i saw they had some tricks too they were pretty good 
So I, I, I can tell it now. I'm just not going to look at you because looking at you makes me laugh. So sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I was just laughing when you started telling the story of like literally. I'm sitting. I, 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 I was. Uh, yeah, I, I might have been like it's perhaps on the toilet, and I get a text from you, and it was like you should have seen what happened at my last camp in Scotland, and you sent me the video and said this is called the boo off. And the two kids, you sent me a couple videos, I think, but there was one where the one kid <laughs> went at the other kid and he was stone faced, like you couldn't phase him. And that he came back with the most ridiculous move I had ever seen. And the other kid cracked. And I thought, what a game. <laughs> so, like, I can actually explain the game now because I'm not laughing. Like, yeah, I know. Sorry, I caught you off guard with that question. Sorry. <laughs> The game, the game is these two players face off, face to face, on all fours, hands and knees on the ground. One player starts, moves like a cow as loud as possible. And the whole goal of the game is to make your partner laugh. <laughs> and I, 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 I like to think that they made it up on the spot, but they didn't because they had played it before, I could tell. Because there was some of them that were stone-faced. And they were talented had a giant move and the kid didn't even blink and then he fired back with one of the loudest moves not that i've heard a lot of moves but it was one of the loudest moves <laughs> i've ever heard in my life and they went back and forth probably three four times constantly bringing it up a notch and i i literally never laughed so hard in my life and i actually went oh. to the parents and i said do you know what this is like is this is this an actual thing and they said, I've never seen it before in my life. So I don't know if they just concocted it or what, but it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, tiebreaker. And it was man. Ah, <laughs> geez. That was a good laugh. I needed that today. I needed that. Um, that was awesome. And um, I'm allowed to put that like on my stories, right? On Instagram. Because if anybody doesn't follow two ales and hockey tales on Instagram, that is where the action happens, folks. Because that's what I got time for. I don't got time for anything else. So if you want to actually see what's going to be going on on the pod, that's where you go. But can I post the video of them mooing? Just uh, like on the story, it'll only be a day and it'll be gone. Or am I not allowed to do that? I can't do that, eh? I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Oh, man, I guess you're right. All right, moving on. The other reason how we know each other is um, you were Spider-Man and I was Venom. Right, yes, we were, and I mean, which which <laughs> which one do you want to do first? I so I can tell the story of the first tale we'll go through here is um we I actually the episode before you uh Todd Kelman and I had a dual birthday party for our sons Tato and Colby and um it was a superhero party and literally this is how much fun this whole team is folks. Everybody dressed up, the wives, the husband, or the players, um, the other kids, like everybody, there weren't any other kids actually um, that year. So everybody dressed up, like everybody was in superhero outfits and I have a picture of it. It was incredible. And everybody did that for us. Hendo ordered a Spider-Man outfit online, 
that did not show up in time and he was devastated. He wanted to do that for Colby. He wanted to be Spider-Man and that's how close that team was. That's how great a guys it was. Like when I explain having a two, three-year-old's birthday party, what it became at a bowling alley was just ridiculous. And that is just a bizarre life that we used to live, but your Spider-Man outfit didn't come. So you said, well, why did I order this? We got to use it. So I said, well, why don't, um, cause Colby dressed as Hulk every day. He was Hulk. He wasn't the Colbster. He was the Hulkster. Um, and he would walk around Cardiff Bay in his Hulk outfit every day. But so we, I said, well, if you want to use it, why don't we, and what, what did we do? <laughs> well, we, I mean, pretty normal thing to do really just throw on a skin type morph suit and Spider-Man and Venom and just walk through the Bay. Right. And yeah, with your with your son dressed as Hulk and your daughter in the stroller. Um, yep. For me, the funniest part was, you know, Colby was young and, and he was he was dressed in his Hulk costume and he was leading the charge. He was he was first one in line. And I genuinely think that he he thought he was with Spider-Man and Venom. Like he was just swinging his arms like Conor McGregor walking through the bay. And he roared at a few like groups of people and like jumped from benches and like thought he hulk smashed the ground and um he actually thought he was hulk that day and like we were the avengers yeah we i mean i i definitely felt like an avenger Um, i don't know about you but i i really felt the spider-man vibe um we literally took so we walked folks from my apartment which was near cardiff bay on a Saturday, it was a busy day. It was packed down there and it was cold folks. That's, it was a cold day in those outfits. I remember Hendo complaining. Are you um, you're saying it's really cold, so you're not embarrassed? I'm not embarrassed. I am who I am. I'm not for everyone. Um, <clears throat> no, but we walked through the Bay dressed like that with Colby and he was Hulk and we were Spider-Man and Venom, but we were actually just walking through with some Starbucks cups <laughs> and, uh, we did a tour. We took some photos, but like, we didn't just take the two photos, like the one I'll post, but like we took photos with more than just ourselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of creepy how like much of celebrities we were really like people were just, it was like a Saturday, wasn't it? Like Saturday morning. It was packed and we took photos with tons of tourists, uh, people, everybody. I felt like I was like busy on ice or something. It was incredible. Like I, yeah, no, but I guess you know what. And since that day, I actually have not seen Hulk, Spider, Man, and Venom walk by since. Yeah, it was a good thing we got a picture, right? Well, you know what, Hendo, and this is why uh, you were one of the first people I wanted on, and uh, why I've tried so hard. How you know? why you were one of my first picks is because we've been through all this together. And for you to do that for my son, um, I know Hunter is in good hands as you being a dad, because you're going to have fun with him because you do that for my son when we were just teammates. So I'm sure he's having a hoot. So um, thank you very much because that's memory. I'll never forget cruising the Bay with you dressed like that for my three-year-old and my, daughter didn't quite know what was going on yet but like it was ridiculous and it was ridiculously awesome yeah that's i mean that's a memory i'll i'll, I'll keep with myself forever as well like that was just i mean 
you just can't like, who else does that like who actually does that nobody like nobody ever does that like it's ridiculous like and you know what i actually lied to somebody that day i did i lied to somebody that day i lied to andrew lord i did um we had had a few drinks that day to do that you said i gotta have a couple to do this this is absurd um and i said well I just think it's great. Um, I'm pretty sure you were too big for the outfit. So the, the, the uh, zipper didn't zip up in the back and you were frozen because your full back was out. You really showed some skin for the folks. Um, but uh, we did have some drinks to stay warm on the walk. Um, and then that night, uh, I guess my routine would be for the boys. Cause I wasn't allowed on road trips cause they'd have to pay for me. And my meals was, I would, uh, Lisa would video me in our living room and I would do a dance for the boys um, like I would in the locker room but just because I wasn't there with them I would still do it and Lisa would have to video they're some of the most ridiculous dances ever performed but Lisa was a good sport and did video them but then that night we walked through the bay they did win that game when you were a healthy scratch or you were out and um we posted our video <laughs> to the team chat, right? Oh my God. Well, that was the thing. Like, yeah, was... I could talk you into anything. No, well, kind of, but not really. Um, but yeah, it was funny. Cause like that, that was, that was your thing, Wally. Like, you, you know, you weren't playing and like, you know, at that point I was playing every game. So we had our group chat and after every win, we get this ridiculous video of, of, of Wally doing some sort of Taylor Swift dance or whatever your crazy brain created. And it was funny. Like I, I generally looked forward to it after every game. Um, and it was funny cause you know, like I think some guys would acknowledge it. Some guys wouldn't like, we'd all watch it, but you know, how people are in group chats, they don't really say much. Right. So um, that day it was funny because I was actually on the other side of the coin. Um, so we, we, you know, <laughs> I put in a bit of effort really like I did some moves you know had my Spider-Man outfit on we had a good song going and like you know it was it was I think it was probably the best video that that we put on there um and then we put it on like you know I felt I felt a bit like you know disappointed because I didn't get much reaction from the boys and like I kind of had a new respect for Wally like you know when you do something like that you want to get a bit of recognition for it and like you know it it, it kind of like flip the coin for me for a bit but it was i mean i think you you probably will post a video wally i'm sure but uh, well i did put it on the story there earlier and um it uh you know people saw it like it was just ridiculous and that was our first take folks that was the first time we tried it you put we put on the song and we just went with it and so after that video comes out to the team chat i don't know if lordo was allowed on the team chat i doubt it um but um, he, he, he wrote to me and said, I know you were hanging out with Hendo today. You guys had a game on the Sunday. And uh, you had been a healthy scratch and you were really disappointed and upset about it. And uh, we had a few drinks to burn off, you know, to, to, you know, just because like you were pissed off. And then so you're a kind sport and we have a fun day while the team's gone. Then we do that dance. We like we'd only had a couple drinks and or you know a few a handful maybe, and Lordo writes to me and says, "I want to put Hendo in the lineup tomorrow." 
I know you probably hung out with him. Did he drink today? <laughs> uh, I lied. <laughs> Sorry, Lord, I'm telling you now, I, I don't like lies. But you got to play the next day and you played great and I felt great about myself. So, th yeah, thanks for playing good the next day. Well, that's what I do, man. Play good. You're a real pro. You're the old school pro. I, I know you know about the Vicks on the neck, and I know Lordo knew all your tricks too when we were there. That's what was hilarious about it. Uh, you're making me have to be an alcoholic now, Wally. I'm fine. Oh, no. I'm talking you were old school, though. But that was before kids and families, you know? No, no got a job to do, right? Yeah, no, it was all good, man. It was it was fun though. Like we always came to practice and worked hard, like we did. And uh, but like that day, we didn't have a lot of drinks. We only had a few, and that you were just a good sport to do that with me it was incredible. Um, no, I just I thought it was funny that he was like, "Did he have anything to drink?" And I was like, "No." And we had had like three to four drinks. I was like, "Like that's not gonna affect him tomorrow. Like he's fine. He's a big boy." Okay, old school. Old school. So. I guess we got into where and what are you doing now? You got kids. Uh, the, yeah, I had written down moo-offs in the camps. So I guess let's get into your career then and I'll stop talking so much, okay? Was there any other Venom and Spider-Man? I guess the only other one was on the ski trip with pigs when you cut off the face off yours and your beard was hanging out at the Spider-Man outfit and you were skiing down the mountains like that. Oh, I remember I did one... <laughs> I don't know how that even started, but I had it in my backpack and I, I remember like I put it on and you know, it was, it was cold. Even though it was like April, it was cold. And, like bombing down the hill in one of those things. It's, you know, it's okay for the first five minutes, but 20 minutes later, you're freezing and they have to get back on the lift. And I remember getting back on the lift and like, I just, I was freezing. I had to piss and I couldn't, I couldn't like, there's no, there's no like, opening on on the morph suit so i had to like rip a hole and <laughs> rip a hole and do it and that was that was pretty much the death of my morph suit because um once i ripped a hole that was it but um but yeah like we i mean we like i had mine you had yours pigsy what was pigsy's it was like a weird like bow tie like yeah yeah it wasn't like a superhero it was a weird one i don't know what that was about i just think about like like people that were actually there on like a family holiday or something and they saw spider-man venom and whatever pigs he was just bombing down the hill and then like well we never skied <laughs> <laughs> i know well, it's, uh... we were at the top of the mountain though but you were skiing like that you actually skied down the mountains like that some of the pictures were incredible <laughs> oh god very aerodynamic <laughs> okay um uh, let's get into your career now. So minor hockey in Russell, Ontario to the Peterborough Pete. Go for it. Oh, okay. Um, don't so get handsy though. I just gave a little tap, just an intro tap, an intro tap. Yeah. So I, I, I grew up in a, a very small town called Russell, um, about 20 minutes outside of Ottawa wasn't really very good at hockey when I was younger. When I was about four, my parents kind of gave me a pair of skates and kicked me out the door. And, you know, we lived on a farm, so we had like lots of ice um, everywhere. Um, so I would just skate, skate, skate. And um, yeah, eventually I got kind of, kind of decent at hockey and uh, 
played up a few years and and uh, how I, big's Russell? Uh, at that point, it was probably like maybe five thousand people at the most. Uh, but Russell's actually one of the top five uh, places in Canada to live now. Um, so they're 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 climbing the ladder really quick. It's booming. Um, so now right. there's probably yeah, I don't know how many people live there now because I haven't been back in a while. But I would say you know quite a few actually. They're building a new uh, try. Now what are you getting handsy with? I'm pulling the table in closer. My goodness, put them away. Put the hands away. Put them in your pockets. Hands are just so sick that I just can't stop moving them away. Well, that's why I had to protect you for so many years. Um, well, that's uh, okay. So how do you go from that to the Peterborough Pete's? Like, how, how do you go from a little town like that to get drafted then? Sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, well, I'm used to it. Um, Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just I don't know. I, I, I played up a few years Um you know, when I was, uh, when it was my draft year to the OHL, I actually played up to junior A, um, should have been playing major Banton, but I played junior A that year. And, um, that was very unheard of at that, at that time. I think I was the first or second player to do that, that year, uh, ever. So that was a big deal. So there was a lot of, um, attention from, from OHL teams and stuff. Um, but I had a, I had a tough year. I, I broke my hand twice. Um, same spot twice. So I only played like 25 games. Um, so I, I should have, I should have probably been picked a lot higher had I, had I played a full season, but I was still very lucky to get picked in uh, the second round to Peterborough, um, Peterborough Pete's. And, um, back then it was, um, your, your first two picks are the only ones that can play. So your, your first and second round pick are the only ones that can play on your team that year. So, um, I went there and looking back, I mean, I, I don't know if I was, if I was ready for it cause I didn't play very many games a year before. Um, so my first year, I, you know, I, I, I probably was a healthy scratch for probably 20 games, at least maybe 30. Um, don't even really remember, but, um, my second year came and, and I, I kind of thought, well, you know, I want to play a bit more. And, and the coach I had at the time was, he was a, a an ex kind of NHL tough guy. And up to this point, I'd never really fought before. Um, I was more of an offensive, uh, offensive type defenseman, and I just wanted to play. And I figured out really quickly that if if you fought, um, my coach would kind of promote you to the first line, or you know, you'd play a lot more. So, based on that, I just picked the biggest guy and got into a fight with him just to play, and did that, and turned out I was pretty good at it. So, <laughs> I kind of did that repeatedly, and just to get ice time. Um, and after a while, I, I, I got really good at it and actually got drafted to, uh, to Columbus. And that was, I mean, one of the reasons, not all the reasons, but one of the reasons was, was that. Well, I saw you had, uh, you had like a point a game as a defenseman in the OHL. So you were also fighting that much and getting a point a game. Yeah. So I think my, one of my best seasons, I think I had like 25, 25 fights and maybe 60 points. Um, that's a busy year that's a very busy year and tough on the hands but uh, yeah it was kind of a tricky thing because you know when I when I when I was drafted they they wanted me to be a fighter um, and I went to their NHL camp and they pretty much told me that you know if if you fight everybody you'll you'll probably have a spot on our team in a year or two and so they kid, weren't drafting you for the 60 points no no the 60 points came after 
Um, so they kind of picked me for the fighting and, and they said, you know, if, if you do this, you'll, you'll probably have a spot here. So I'm pretty sure any kid that was told that would do the exact same thing I did. So I went back and I fought everybody that looked at me. Um, I think I had like 30 fights that year and then I went back to camp and, and they said, all right, well, you know, we know you can fight. Um, we want to see that you can play this year. So we don't care about fighting this year. We want to see you put up some points. So I went back and I put up 60 points. Um, thinking like, oh, well, that's what you want. That's what I did. So, and 60 points for a D-man is, is a lot. pretty good, you know, especially that year. And, and we actually won the, the whole OHL that year, went to the Men Cup. And you're uh, getting 60-something points. And yeah. you, huh. was, uh, so which was, time, what year was that that they drafted you? Because you were drafted by the same team twice. Well, that's, that's the thing is that when they first picked me, that was um, – I think at that time they had nine rounds so i was picked in the ninth round and then when they pick you they have uh they have two years to to sign you to a contract and if not um you're you're put back in the draft so um you know we you know had those years and they offered me a contract and um you know like i said i was a kid from from a small town called russell like i i don't i didn't know anybody that had been offered an nhl contract my parents didn't know anybody like we had no idea so had this agent at the time and and i thought well i have him i might as well listen to him because he knows what he's doing um and he he said like well you know you you shouldn't sign this like you know you're gonna go back to peterborough next year you have a good year and and you know you'll you'll be able to go wherever you want so i took his word for it and the only catch with that was to be a free agent i had to go back into the draft and basically get passed over by everybody and if nobody picked me, I was a free agent. So that was kind of the hope. But then with the very last pick, Columbus picked me again. Um, and it was kind of just a pick to just kind of keep me in their system again for two years, um, which was frustrating because they didn't really have uh, much plan for me, but they didn't want me to go anywhere else kind of a thing. Um, so That's brutal. Um, like for me, they uh, I don't know why my agent would have ever said, for me to actually go there because it was the same thing. They didn't want me. They had guaranteed me a contract, but I had gotten offered the same contract from a different team. So why don't you say to the agent, like we really don't want him. If someone else will take him, like go for it. And instead my agent tells me to go back there. So you were kind of in a similar boat by the end, eh? Well, yeah, I was not I mean, as bad as me though. That's for sure. Like I, they, I like, they hated me when I got there. Well, if I say that because I, I signed I actually signed a contract with them and my contract was for three years and they just told me flat out that you know you're you're not gonna play in the American League, you're gonna play in the East Coast League. And that's just kinda how it is. And they drafted you, they burned the pick on you to put say that to you. Yeah. And I said, Okay, well I went there and I thought, Well, if I work hard I'll get up and you know, eventually I did, but it got to a point where there was just so many people ahead of me that were making more money than me. So I just said to them, I said, you know, I don't, I don't care. I don't care about the contract. I don't care about the money. I'll give it all back to you. I just want to play and be given a chance. So they said, sure, that's fine. We'll, you know, we'll open up the doors. If, if anybody wants you, they can have you. Um, and then I think Boston actually, Boston sent them a request, a trade request, and, and they shut it down. They said, no, no, we're not trading them. So I don't, I don't know why that happened. I'd love to, to talk to them about it now that I'm done, but um, 
yeah. Yeah, especially when you seem like exactly like a Bruin type player, because like those days in the big blue tent, that was very much like they like a team to be, which, uh, okay, that's interesting. But yeah, um, no, they uh, strange organization back then. Um, I wasn't there long. It was only one year, but uh, yeah, no, like I saw you had two more years with them and like we were both rookies together and uh I was glad I got out after that year, but you had two more years, right? So I did see, or no, we got to get it. No, no. You saw scoring and fighting I have down now is our rookie year in Daytona beach. We can't just talk about all that stuff and not talk about Daytona beach. We may have to skip a lot of your career this time, but we can do this again. Um, if we could ever hook it up again. So literally, Daytona beach. Here's some notes I got down. Do you want to pick which way you go? Yeah. Okay. Right. I got Clancy Toledo storms, old arena in the first game, Paul Kelly, Tommy gun. You pick. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll go in order. I'll start with Clancy. Okay. Second one was first game in Toledo. That's, that's a perfect segue after Clancy. I, yeah. So Derek Clancy, um, you know, he he was a different person. He was he was such a good coach. He was such a good coach with details and positioning and systems. And he took our bunch of degenerate Daytona Bomber team and took us to the finals of the league. And we had no business being there without him or the system we played. And you know, maybe some of us didn't like him. Maybe some of us did. But he kind of taught us all a lot on how to play hockey, how to play defense, how to win. And, you know, a lot of things that he taught me, I still kind of keep with me to this day. Um, he was a very smart hockey mind, very good guy. Um, but yeah, he, um, I remember like coming down from Columbus and the first day we were there, we had a meeting and, and I think he just singled me out and said, it's not gonna be the fucking same as Columbus. And, you know, just kind of put me in my place. And I was like, okay, well, well nice to meet you too, kind of thing. Um, but he was doing it for my own good. And he was, he was a good guy. He taught us a lot of stuff. And um, I really got to know Clance, um, our first game. And this is kind of your second point, our first game in uh, Toledo. Toledo. And, and Toledo was an absolute specimen of a rink. Like, I'm pretty sure that's where COVID started. Like, there was literally, like, I don't even have a word to describe that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, in the stands, like, sorry, go ahead, Walter. No, yeah, you're, you're right. They were smoking darts in the stands still. I actually. Yeah, I remember it because I grew up in Ontario where they changed the laws and nobody smoking in the restaurants. Then I moved to Michigan where they finally changed the law when I'm in university and I go there and they're still smoking. Then I go to Ohio and they're still smoking in places. And like we go to the arena and there's people smoking in the arena. My first, my, I guess that's my, uh, my first game in the coast is we're playing in that arena the glass is so short that like the fans can reach Lane Manson. He's fighting at center ice. Um, it's just an absolute circus and there's people smoking. You got to walk through the fans to get to the locker room. It was like, where the hell am I? And the benches, the benches were so small that they had like 
extra chairs on the end of the benches. So like if you were at like, you know, getting benched or if you just were a duster or a grocery store, you that's that was where you sat, you know. You let the important players play and you know, I was an important player for one shift and I went out there and did a sauce up the middle, pizza pizza, and they scored right away, first game pro. And I remember coming back to the bench and and Clance, as, as, as much as I just praised him, he just looked at me and he said, Hendo, you see that chair down at the end? I said, yep. And he said, well, better go sit down and make yourself comfortable because you're not leaving there the rest of the game. And my first game pro, I was like, holy shit, like, geez, nice to meet you too. So I went down, sat down like a good little good little player. And <laughs> this, this, this local Toledo guy, I don't know who he was, probably had one tooth in his mouth literally sitting shoulder to shoulder with me. I'm standing on this like little wooden chair that probably will collapse if I do anything on it. And I look to my right and he sat there, he's got a beer in each hand. And he just kind of looks at me while I look at him and he says, you want a beer? <laughs> and I was like, kind of, but I could feel Derek Clancy just burning a hole in the back of my head and I could see him watching the whole thing. And I was like, well, I'm not moving here, but we can be friends. But you know, two seconds later, he lit up a dart and he was just smoking away. And I was like, what is this? Is this, is this pro hockey? Is this what I just signed a contract for? Like, where, where am I and what's happening? Oh man. Um, yeah, no, I, so you, you said it was a pizza up the middle. Cause I could have sworn it was you trying to kill a guy in open ice and he got around you. you know what? It very well could have been that because I remember that's what he like, cause he was so stay in front of them, stick on puck. Like you don't have to kill guys. You just play good defense with your sticks and your body positioning. And you, you had been trained in Peterborough. Like when a guy's coming through center ice, you would try and kill them. And he, it, right. Well, no, like, the, the, like you have to think back to like that era of hockey and uh -huh. the can opener was a, a, a legal legit move. So like, that, that was my move. If you came over the blue line, I stuck my stick between your legs and I pushed you over my stick. And that was fine. There was no penalty for that. But our first year pro, it's over, right? Because it's the year after the lockout. That's when things start changing, right? Yeah, but that was a big thing with Clancy and I. Was Clancy wanted us to challenge the offensive players at our blue line. So he would tell me to like go straight at the player with the puck. And like to me, that just was so backwards because... I was taught not to go forward when they're going forward as well. Um, so I had to like work on that for a long time. So it might've, it might've seemed like I was trying to kill them, but I was really doing what he told me to do. Now, no, I, I get it because I played with another coach, Dan Seaman, who he preached that was if the, the wingers are getting back in time and they are full backtracking, the D man can step up and try and kill because that's at least going to get them either way. And if the winger's there beside them, like you're fine. Right. Um, okay. Anyways, but yeah, Derek Clancy, the way he taught defense, the way he taught that team, like you as a rookie, me as a rookie, like for me, there's no way I last as long as I do. And I learned defense in one hockey season. I had never been taught because I guess realistically I college, you know, it was what it was, but like when you're a kid, you don't really have to play defense if you're good. Right. Yeah. Well, especially if you're a forward too, like, like I remember we talked about this before and like you said, that was kind of when you first learned how to play defense, but like, I had never heard a stick on puck before. Yeah. 
like for me, I, I had learned defense because I was a defenseman. So I, I kind of understood it a bit more than you, but like Clancy just kind of put it in a way that everybody kind of understood. I remember the one, it was my, one of my first practices in Dayton actually, when I was really getting to see what it was like. But it, when we did a defensive zone, this was one of our first practices of the year. He brought out a spray can, spray cans, different colors. Do you remember this? Were you there for that? Yeah, I just spray painted zones, right? He had where the right winger goes. This is your area where the left winger goes. Right D, left D, center, you're supporting this. The, if, if, you know, this, these are your areas, folks. <laughs> and it was so simple. I was like, really? That's all I got to do? Just this? And if it goes over there, I'm over here. And I'm over there. It's over there. Stick on puck. Oh, geez, that's not that hard, really. Simple, simple. Okay, so moving on. So Toledo, we did discuss that arena was just an absolute gong show. And I hear they have a really nice one now. Um, so, okay, next two topics you can pick from. Paul Kelly or Tommy Gunn? Mm. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Paul Kelly because... Tommy Gunn lived on your block and he was more, he was more your guy. Yeah. So folks, uh, Justin Miser episode 28 talked about Tommy Gunn. He lived on my side of Daytona beach. Um, Hendo lived at the other end of the beach in Ohio. Um, he was right by the practice rink, whatever that was called, but we were about 10 minutes away. So Hendo and I really never got to see each other as often as we liked as rookies, but we did in Cardiff cause we lived near each other, but Tommy Gunn was my neighborhood, right? So let's go with Paul Kelly. Who's your neighborhood because he was not in mine. Paul, oh, he was, uh, he was a special guy. He kind of took me under his wing, uh, when I first came there and, and, you know, he lived around the corner from me and he was, um, I don't know. He was just, he was just a social guy. And, you know, he, he, he was, you know, very funny guy. He was from Boston. He had a big, strong Boston accent. And, um, you know, he, I, I, I haven't spoke to him in quite a few years, but I remember like, um, we had our, uh, our rookie party and, um, you know, he was kind of my, I looked at him as kind of like my, my, uh, not my way in, but like he kind of gave me a bit of inside information with the bets because he had been there for a few years. And um, our rookie party, we had we had to dress up. Um, well, do you remember that, Wally? We had to dress up as 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 girls, right? Yep. No, I did too. Yep. I look good. Yeah. Well, you say that, but yeah, we dressed up in dresses and girls and makeup, all this crazy shit. And um, I remember Kells. He came into me. He's like. It's like, you guys are going to do impressions. You guys got to do impressions of people. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And he was like, do an impression of our captain, which was, our captain was... Vinsky, uh, Labber. So, like, they'd put us all in, like, one room. Like, we were at somebody's somebody's apartment, and, like, it was a two-bedroom apartment. Like, you know, there wasn't very very much place for us to go. We were all just kind of packed in there and <laughs> dressed, dressed as women. <laughs> <laughs> really kind of weird how they talk about it but you know we had our rosy cheeks and makeup on and like you know somehow Kells popped in he's like Hendo you gotta you gotta do lab you gotta do lab you know I was like all right and I don't know what I was gonna do before that but like he was like you gotta do lab you gotta do lab so I came out and like I didn't have a clue how I was gonna impersonate him but like lab was like always like really angry and yelling at us all the time uh, and like you serious yeah, just like you know, he, he was, was. A, he was a real pro. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was, but he was like always snapping on us. So like, 
well, I looked, I looked at him and I tried to think of like how I could impersonate him. That's what he used to always do. So I, <laughs> I, I came in the room dressed as a woman, nice little mini skirt on, rosy cheeks. And I just started screaming at, at our 10 veterans that were in there who were probably 10 years older than me and just screaming at them and probably did the worst impression of Lavi ever. But Kells told me that that's what I should do. And I thought, well, if I do that, you know, I won't have to do shots or whatever the hell they're going to make me do. And I did that. And then as soon as I finished, like nobody was really laughing. It was just kind of awkward. I was like, oh, I guess that wasn't very funny. And then they just kind of lined up a few shots for me and that was it. But um, it was, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you had to do, Wally. I'm sure you were probably a lot funnier. Than I, I'm actually trying to think. I don't even recall um, how, I remember it would depended on how well you did, how much you had to drink. Yeah. But I actually don't recall what I did. I do recall um, dressed as a woman <laughs> singing karaoke at, at that Doom Ball in Daytona Beach. Adobe Gila's. Yeah, Adobe Gila's. I was dressed as a woman, and I believe I swung the microphone around because I was feeling it and hit someone in the head with the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I uh, dressed as a woman. But, no, yeah, that was a fun night. That was our rookie party. But it was, it, you remember, like, back when we were young, when it was your rookie party, like, you were nervous, like, really nervous of what was going to happen. Or maybe you weren't. I was. I was super nervous. That's why, like, when when Kells told me what to do, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, See, I feel like he told you something that, like, I don't even recall doing anything like that. So I feel like he got you to do that as a joke because I never – I just remember doing something else to figure out if I had to do a lot of shots or not. But I don't recall impersonating anybody. But Paul Kelly was – he was fun, man. He was a fun guy to have around. Like, in practice, I just remember his farts. Probably one of the stinkiest players I ever played with. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. Um, but we did almost win it, eh? Like we almost took down the whole thing. I know, like like that that team that team was very similar to our Cardiff team here. Like it was just a bunch of like, you know You're right. Scraps you would say, and like we just you know, you, you come together and that's, that's almost more powerful than anything when you have a group that just comes together. But like, I know we were just, we were trucking and we were absolutely trucking and we played that, that, that Idaho team and we won the first game in Idaho. And then we thought, it, then we thought we had it and we thought we were just the, the yeah. king of the universe. And then, we just yeah. couldn't believe it. We were like, we're the Daytona beach bombers and like, we're actually going to do it. And then, and then they the playoffs and take their sticks because our owner doesn't pay the bills. Like that's what we were. Yeah. We did make it to the finals without sticks for some of the players. Folks who were playing with broken sticks in the finals of the East coast. That is what the minor pros were like. I'm assuming they're basically all owned by NHL teams now. So they probably even get sticks. Who knows? Um, okay. We, uh, I guess we better move on. Eh? Um, what else you got? Really? Like, there's still a lot, man. I think we've been going a long time, but here we go. So you go to Elmira for a year, uh, USA, folks, not my hometown. But then, curious, because I think you might be, uh, at least the first time we're going to talk about it, is uh, the home of Slapshot, the Johnstown Chiefs. You're there for two years. 
was I ever? Yeah, that was. Uh, Isn't it interesting how different this pod is than episode uh, four that never happened? Much better. I'm, I'm enjoying this much more. Really? I think you just forget how much fun the other one was too, because we talked about a lot of different stuff, but go ahead. So Johnstown Chiefs, think about how many times we can do this. I'm going to block that out because it was really fun, uh, but you erased it. So yeah, yeah I know. go ahead. Um, I, so I was, that was my second year pro and I had no choice as to where I went because I was under contract with Columbus. So they basically dictated where I went. So the first year I went to Elmira and then the second year they changed their affiliation to, to Johnstown. And when I went there, I was like, Oh, this is super cool. This is, you know, this is the Johnstown chiefs. This is, this is where Slapshot was filmed. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like I can't wait to go there. And then I got there and it was like literally, a, a, you know, a, an atom just dropped in the middle of America and made a little hole and then put a hockey team there. Like it was the smallest town. It was just the, the most blue collar place you could ever imagine. So they just love fights. They love hitting, which was great for me. I love doing that, but you know, it, it, we basically lived, <clears throat> we lived, we lived slap shot for, for two years there. And it was, it was, it was fun my first year because we were actually really good and we had lots of fans and like the, the Hanson brothers would come at Christmas time and do like a show. It was, it was cool. But then um, the second year I went back there, like we sucked, like we were bad, like we were horrible. Uh, oh man, life sucks when you lose it. Not then it's your job. And we had a good team. We just, I don't know, we just couldn't put it together. There was actually something going on um, with the team and they were looking to move to a different place. And the owner of our team was a guy named Neil Smith. And he was the general manager of the New York Rangers um, when they won their Stanley Cups. And I think he had bought the team just kind of as a kind of hobby thing. So anyway, that season they got a new coach and the coach, he was a great guy. He just couldn't, couldn't get anything out of us. And they, they fired him at Christmas time. And then Neil, um, Neil was, was such a great guy. He was awesome. He, um, he would fly in from New York city, um, for like a Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he'd come in, coach us for the weekend and fly off. So like during the week, we were <laughs> kind of on our own. Um, and it was, just, it was just kind of a gong show really. And, we, you know uh, what? Can I can I interrupt? Because I just had a flashback. Do you know what I'm going to say? No, but like, if you're going to go out on a far tangent, just wait because I got. Okay, keep going. Okay, so we we sucked. So about three quarters of the way through the season, Neil came in and he was like, "Listen, guys, like we're you know we suck, but you know, keep you know kind of keep working hard because you know we're we're moving to Greenville, South Carolina next year and." We're going to bring the guys with us that, that we like. And, you know, it was kind of like a bit of a light in the tunnel. So, like, kind of lifted our spirits a bit. But there was this place that was literally right, maybe a block from the ring, called Scott's, Scott's by Dam. And it sounds weird, but that's what it was called, Scott's by Dam. And we would go there after every game. And this guy was a sponsor. And, like, probably 95% of his business came from people coming to the games. And they told us after this game that we were moving and that night they put it on the news. Um, so our whole team would go to his bar after the game and we'd sit there and like, he'd always play the highlights of the game. And it was like a big social thing. And like, he'd give us food 
and we were sitting there and the news comes on and we're all kind of sitting there like, well, we, we, we kind of know what's coming on now. And this guy, meanwhile, he's got like every piece of memorabilia of the Johnstown Chiefs on his wall and his bar. So the news comes on and they announced that the Chiefs are moving to Greenville, South Carolina. And this guy just loses his mind, gets up, kicks us out, rips every piece of Johnstown Chiefs memorabilia off the wall, like rips the jerseys off, has a whole tantrum. And we're kind of sitting there like, geez, this is, this is awkward. Um, but it was like, that was his livelihood. Like I felt bad for him, but we all, we all just left. And that was like, I, I got traded the next day. So that was kind of my last experience in Johnstown, but yeah, it's crazy. Wow. So, oh, that's brutal for that guy because he would have made his livelihood and his life off of that place and that team. And then they just up and leave. It is just like slap shot, right? They were moving in back then. Um, wow. That's brutal. Um, what I was going to bring up is doesn't matter. Um, so that's crazy. Um, so you got traded then like traded from, are you still with, um, Columbus Syracuse at that point or no? So I was, I was, um, I was on my own at that point. So, um, I'd actually spoke to Neil and he said, you know, I'd like to have a trade and go somewhere, go somewhere to win a championship. So he said, I got two options. One of them's Elmira where I used to play with my old coach. Second option was uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, so I chose Charlotte because they had a good team, and it was somewhere new. Um, and he was he was awesome about it. He did. There was no hard feelings. He completely understood. He traded me the next day and uh, wished me well. And, and that's so Johnstown did leave then, and that's what Greenville is like. The that's where Lord of is now. The, the Swamp Rabbits. That was the Johnstown Chiefs. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, different there for a while. There were green bills, uh, something else, but anyway. Okay. Well, you know what? There's a lot of stuff we're skipping this time because you're a repeat potter, even if you're hard to schedule with, um, because I just love you so much. And, uh, I'm going to pod with you, even if you're difficult. Um, so really, are you really going to blame me for this? Wally? No, no, I'm not. So it was my fault. I deleted the first one. Okay. Moving on 2010, 11, you only played four games for the Florida Everblades. Random question for the pod. Do you ever, do you know what the Lonnie Kai is? I sure do. And I was there with Bobby Raymond. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He was on my team. You were there when he met his wife. I don't know if I was there and I met his wife, but I was there. But I was it was there. his rookie party. But yeah, Lonnie Kai, quite the spot, eh? I was um, I was in a different state there because I, like you said, I played four games, and the I think it was our fourth game we played in Greenville actually, and I fought uh, a guy named T.J. Reynolds. I don't know if you know him. Uh, I've heard the name, but I don't know him. He's a mutant. He's beauty. But I played with him in, in Charlotte, and. Um, you know, I, I kind of joke with them, like, I said, well, if I ever played you, I'd beat the wheels off you. And he was like, oh, I'd beat the wheels off you. And then funny enough, we played each other for an exhibition game, like, or I think four games in the season, sorry. And we lined up beside each other and he was like, oh, you want to go? And I was like, all right, let's go. So we fought. And then during the fight, it was a good fight. It was pretty even, but I, I tore my, my labrum in my shoulder. In a preseason game fighting your buddy. Oh. I don't know if it was a preseason game. I think it was like, I say preseason, but I mean like 
think it was like the third or fourth game of the year, so like kind of kind of preseason, really, right? Those first few games aren't really real. Um, um. But anyway, so we fought. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't lift my arm. It was just, it was messed up. So I went to the doctor and they were like, yeah, um, basically you have to have a surgery or you can play the whole season with the pain and then have the surgery. So either way, I was having surgery. Um, so I spoke to the owner and they were like, yeah, you might as well, might as well just do it now. And then at least we can maybe get you back for the season. Uh, so I had the surgery, had a cast from like my shoulder down to my wrist. Eight nine weeks at least, and then as soon as I came back, I, I I got tripped in practice and I landed on my arm and bent my elbow in. So I broke my elbow, same arm. Um, so that was pretty much my season. So I was done. Um, so I was I was there. I was there the whole time, but I just couldn't really do very much. So you lived in Florida and then didn't really play that whole year, eh? Yeah, I couldn't even golf or anything. I had a cast. So then you definitely hit the Lonnie Kai a couple times. Yeah, been there, done that. That's a good place. I know. I uh, I've been in contact with the Hendo after Bobby Raymond said he met his wife there, and uh, we've been shooting the breeze and uh, just chit chatting. And I was like, you know what? I do turn forty in a in a couple of years, and uh, maybe there needs to be some kind of uh, pod from the beach with a like a hockey beauty convention at the Lonnie Kai for my 40th. You know, it's just an idea. We're, we've just been discussing it. There's just this nothing major. Well, you know, just talking, bouncing ideas off each other. Like a Lonnie Kai reunion? Like, for yeah, on my 40th birthday, you know. Whoever wants to come. Whoever. I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I, I think there's a few guys that might come. <laughs> you know? I... I would enjoy it. I think I'd have a great time. And uh, speaking of that is the Bayfield Brewing Company is always my sponsor, folks. And I've been drinking uh, the cabinet maker um, this episode, and uh, it's fantastic. But we got to move on because you did win two times in the cocktail hockey league. So I know you did some bouncing around through the years till you got to Allen. But we've been doing this long enough. I think it's time we get to winning two times in the cocktail hockey league. Yeah, so that actually kind of ties into um, the Florida thing because I, like I said, I only played four games. So um, at the end of that season. Did they win? He won there, didn't he? Bobby Raymond? Yeah, that was that was a few years later. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, like I left there and like, you know, at that point I was, you know, I was an NHL draft player, come out of contract. Like I was, you know, if I had played the whole year, it would have been, would have been great for me, but I didn't. So I, I literally had um, no options, nothing. Um, whole summer went past. I didn't have like one offer from any team. And then I think late August came and, and, you know, at that point, I, I think I was like 20, 24, 25. And I, I kind of started planning for, for something else outside of hockey. Um, had some jobs lined up, and then I got a contract offer from uh, from the All Americans, and I didn't know who they were really. Um, but I did some research, and they were like one of the best teams in that league, and they gave me a really nice contract. And I thought, well, that's all I got, so I might as well do it. So I went there, and um, it probably took me like I don't know, probably at least at least three four months to kind of get back to normal. Um, even though I trained all summer, it just 
you know, taking a year off hockey, it takes a lot to get back. So, um, about Christmas time, I kind of started to hit my, hit my stride and I, uh, I did really well. I got called up to, uh, Hamilton, which was Montreal's farm team. Uh, played some games there. And then, um, the following season, um, we actually won, um, I went back and we won, won the championship, um, which was cool. Um, but then the following year, or sorry, the first year, the first time we won was was really cool because it was game seven um, overtime in our own rink. And we were playing our biggest rival, which was Wichita. And we absolutely, like, absolutely hated them, like, with a passion, like, absolutely, like, couldn't even look at them. Um, and they went up, like, 2 nothing going to the third. And they were really cocky about it. They would, like, score, like, when they scored their goals, they'd skate by our bench and kind of, I know the type. Yeah, you know the type, right? Yeah, I do. And I would hate them too. Yeah. And we just thought, you know what? We had a sold out rink, game seven. Like, this is what you dream of as a kid, right? And my roommate went out and it was his first shift. And like, somebody threw the puck on that. There's a rebound. He popped it in. So it was 2 1. Um, So we got a chance, right? So we played hard the whole period. Nothing really came. And then I scored. I just threw the puck on that and scored with like a minute and a half left. So we tied it up and the place went absolutely bonkers. Probably one of the biggest goals I've ever scored in my life. So you scored with a minute and a half left in game seven to tie it? Yeah, tie it. So score that goal. Like I said, probably one of the coolest moments. Don't get handsy on us. I'm just adjusting so you can see me. Um, yeah, and then and then we go in for, you know, they didn't score. We kept them off. So it was 2-2. Zamboni comes out, we get like 15 minutes in the room, we come back out and like, you know, the whole momentum is just completely switched. And, you know, we got 5,000 fans cheering for us. I think three minutes in, um, defensive makes a nice pass up to Todd Robinson. He walks in, takes a slap shot, low blocker, scores, place goes nuts. Everybody just absolutely goes mental. And like, we won. At home, game seven. Like, nothing, there's nothing in any sport better than that. And it was, and you tied it up with a minute and a half left and then you went in overtime. How deep into overtime was it? Three minutes, maybe it was, it was was quick. Yeah. They would have been, they would have been so mentally effed after those two goals in the third that you guys just went out there and finished her. That's really cool. So then what happens in Allen after a championship? Well, we, we, we came in the dressing room and the whole dressing room was, taped down with plastic so every all of our stalls the whole room it was just like a murder scene it was just plastic everywhere like plastic there was no chance of there being a mess so we just champagne bottles drinks everything all of our family all of our friends came in it was just it was such a cool cool experience and just you know the emotion of a game seven just really played into the whole night like the next the following year we you know, we, we won the championship again, but I think we swept, we swept the team or we won in five games. So like, it wasn't the same. It it was still cool. We won, but like coming off of the game seven, you know, it's, it's just different. Right. So it wasn't the same level, but it was still, you know, not very many people get to win championships. So it was, it was still really cool, but. So then you'd won in Peterborough and you'd won, you won twice there. Yeah. So I won three. So I got three rings. Um, I never, nobody gave me rings other than junior B. I got a gold helmet. I got medals, but like, that's it. I don't have a ring other than junior B. I don't know. I think it's kind of a, more of a North American thing. 
Yeah, it definitely is. There's no rings over there usually, but uh, that's pretty cool um, that you have all those rings. Um, but moving on is you do go from the Allen Americans in two championships to then reconnecting with your long lost enforcer. Um, Cause I did protect you a couple times there where you'd done things that you shouldn't have. And you know, you just need a friend to come help you out. Right. Oh, okay. Well, well, I was going to ask you then is one of my questions, which I know we talked about this the first time and I'm going to do it again, even though it's not really part of the show anymore, but just cause I, I, it, I remember going to the depot in Cardiff, which is an awesome spot. Um, but we went there and you were going to fight. Uh, we went for food or something and you were going to fight someone the next night. It was the guy from Belfast or something. We had talked about it. I forget what his name was. He looked like a mutant and you were like, well, we're going to do this tomorrow. And we just had like a chat about like, like, you were, you know, you're fighting him the next day. And we were talking about it. And I like, it's just a weird dynamic that, you know, you're going to fight a mutant the next day. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, fighting, fighting is such a interesting topic to talk about with people because most people just don't understand like how simple it can be in, in hockey. Like, um, not so much anymore, but like, you know, when we played, there was always a couple of guys who, you know, they were the enforcers. That's what they did. And, and, you know, much earlier, like you, you would have three or four of those guys in your team that could barely skate. They were just there to just beat people up. Um, and I, I was never one of those people. I was a good hockey player and, you know, I would fight, um, you know, if I had to, and, and if my NHL team that had picked me would, would ask me to, but, um, but yeah, there's, there's so much that, that people don't really know that goes into it. Like, you know, people just, you know, go to a game and, you know, they want to have a beer and watch a fight and it's, you know, it's all great, but nobody really knows what comes in behind it. And, you know, it doesn't matter if, if you're uh, the best fighter in the league or the worst fighter in the league, like they all have, you know, some anxiety and, and, you know, if, if you don't have anxiety, if you're not thinking about the other guy, you're, you're not, you're not a good fighter and you're going to probably lose. Um, you have to be prepared and, and, you know, whether I was going to fight somebody or not, I would always do my homework and I would, you know, maybe watch their fights on YouTube and kind of have a game plan. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough job. It's not an easy job. That's why not many, not too many people do it, but like, like personally, like I, I would, I would sometimes be in my own little world. Like, you know, Lordo might be giving a, a speech to us before the game and talking about our systems. And, and I'd be in my own little world thinking about, okay, well, how am I going to fight Matt Nickerson or how am I going to fight Cam Jansen? What am I going to do? Am I going to attack him? Am I going to defend myself? And, you know, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even listen to the speech. I'd be in my own little world. Um, you'd have a whole different battle ahead of you compared to like just playing the game. Like, like when it happens just organically and like two guys just start fighting, that's totally different than like when you know, it's going to happen. Like, and I don't know that feeling like I don't. Well, that's the thing is, you know, I'm still playing the game just like you, uh, everybody else. Like I'm still playing the game. And you're wondering when that's going to happen on the side of that. And like, I'm just thinking about playing and you're thinking about 
right? Like, when is this happening? Is it the start of my shift? It's the end of my shift. Am I tired? Is he waiting for me to be at the end of my shift to come at me? Right. Yeah. That's the thing. There's just, there's just so many things that you, you think about and it's, it's mentally draining. Like the, the day of a game, I just like, I, I would try to have a nap because I needed to have a nap, but I, you know, I would just have things playing in my head over and over, um, different scenarios, different things about the game, about a fight, about anything. And it's, it's just tough to switch that off. And it's, it's something that I don't think people really think about. Um, but well, yeah, there's a lot that the fans don't get about the whole thing of fighting for sure. And I even didn't even get it, especially being in Germany most of the time. Like when we went back to the UK, that was back when I was around fighting again. And like, I remember the start of that season when like we're talking about now we're in Cardiff together. Like we went for a preseason game in Belfast and I remember like the pregame speech from Lordo was like, these guys were the cream of the crop. Like if we want to, if we want to show the league what we're about now, like this is a big game for us. And that preseason game turned into like a, like who, you know, who's the biggest brother at like we, we all with everybody was fighting. Right. I mean, that was like a war and it was, it was, it was a preseason game. I know. I know. And like, I actually have a funny story about that. Um, so I think I actually fought Kiefer, Adam Keith that game. Um, and it was, it, was, it was a good fight. Nobody, I wouldn't say anybody really beat anybody up. It was a pretty even fight. Um, but Dougie, Dougie Clarkson was, was good friends with Kiefer. And um, uh, I think it was the second game of the weekend. And um, after that game, we, we all went out for some beers after. And it just so happened that like Kiefer showed up and he was hanging out with Dougie. Um, at the bar and like I, I knew Kiefer from from back in the OHL and, and we'd fought a few times but I never actually spoke to him and I saw him there and I thought oh, I'll go you know kind of go say hi to him and say good fight just as you know most most guys would do and so I walked up and I was like oh hey Kiefer and I was talking to him and um, I just bought a bag of chips or crisps as you would say over here and as I was talking to him I guess a little tiny piece of, of chip kind of flew off my tongue <laughs> <laughs> and it, it literally landed right on his tongue like landed on his tongue and he noticed it and, <laughs> and it was such a ridiculous moment in time because he knew what happened I knew it <laughs> but it was so Is this in the big blue tent lobby <laughs> no no this was at um the odyssey arena or whatever it's called so you're saying this is in belfast this happened no this was at uh what's that irish bar called in cardiff that we went o'neill's that's oh okay oh this is back oh there back after a game you're in o'neill's yeah oh sorry i thought that was the same as what you were talking about but yeah so he was he was standing there and he like i could actually it's like that episode of seinfeld with like the magic loogie I literally like I could see it leave my mouth. I didn't do it on purpose, obviously, but it left my mouth and went up and it landed right on his tongue and he <laughs> saw it. And it was like the most awkward 10 seconds of my life because I just started laughing. <laughs> and you just fought him? And no, no, we didn't fight. And Dougie started laughing, I think. No, I'm uh, talking about during the game, you doggy. Oh, you yeah. just fought during the game. You went up to say good job fighting and then you yeah. spat in his mouth. <laughs> By accident. 
<laughs> and then like and, and like Dougie laughed a little bit and then Kiefer I think was like a bit like annoyed and pissed off. So like I just kinda laughed and walked away. But like it was it, you couldn't have like planned it any funnier. It was it was hilarious. You know what? That O'Neill's place, the start of that season, I think really brought our team together. Like that place after those preseason games where the whole team would show up and I was like wow, where am I? Like the whole team's here. Like, this is not like Germany where like the four guys that want to hang out here go there. And like everybody was together and like, and then the other team would come in and it would be like, Hey guys, how are (laughs) you? We start spitting chips in each other's mouth. (laughs) It's like a rugby match over there. Okay. Or I guess where you are now, eh? Um, Okay. I guess uh, it's a pretty easy story for today, but uh, um, I was going to ask about a Deeser Carl story, but I guess uh, when I tried to do this with you um, and I'm on, you know, I, I'm a busy guy and um, you were <laughs> sitting with Deese having a beer when it was, it was puck drop time. Eh? Well, I, I can, I can actually check both those boxes with one story. Um, <laughs> Dees and Carl. So this this story, um, I think I think I think Deese, yeah, I think Deese might have told the first part of the story. Um, I'm not sure if Carl has told the story. Carl's only been on with pigs. He hasn't got the full deal yet. Okay, so he hasn't told the story then. No. Okay. So Deese told the story about how we had a Christmas party and me and Hoff or sorry, me and Carl and Hoff and these were playing hockey in the room. I think it was a cabina fat. Or no, you're right. It was Secret Santa Day. Yeah, it was our Christmas party in like January, wherever it was. And so basically people have heard that first part of the story. So like me and Carl, I think we're dressed in goalie equipment and we went in to see Lordo and he was getting a massage and he jumped up and went absolutely bonkers on us and kicked us out of the rink. So we we left and and the funny part was is that like carl was really like he was just really worried that we were getting fired for some reason we weren't he was just mad at us for that day um so carl went home and like me and hoff went to kfc and we were sitting there and i think it was i don't know i think it was my idea but it might have been both of ours but i just thought carl's carl's really worried about this like we should probably mess with him a little bit so (laughs) We, we decided and we kind of concocted this plan to the, just kind of push the envelope a little bit. So I messaged him and I was like, Carl, I just got a message from Lordo and he's, he's not very happy. Like, I think, I think we're all getting fired tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and he, he just, he kind of took it hook, line, sinker. And I think like they, they packed their stuff up that night and like, you know, they were ready to get fired the next day and, and, and poor Carl like showed up the next day and he was like really pissed off at me. I could tell he wouldn't even speak to me. And I was like, Carl, I was just kidding. <laughs> what? You were just kidding. And he was like, he wanted this whole thing about like, it's like, it's like when you own 2.3% of the devils and you don't actually. <laughs> exactly, exactly like that. It's just like that. Yeah, I get it. And you know what, Carl, it hurts, buddy. It hurts. <laughs> so funniest part of that story was what Carl did after that so he 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 had packed up his whole apartment he thought he was leaving the next day and then when I told him we were joking he laughed but he was not very happy with things and 
I remember like when we first moved into our flat, like Carl would, Carl would come over and like sometimes like, not sometimes, one time we saw him, we opened up our curtains and he was sat on the curb outside of our place and he was sat there on the computer. And like, I remember being out there and like, Carl, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm using your Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it was just so funny because like, that was just Carl. It was just like, He's just, he's just such a beauty. He's <laughs> sitting out on your curb on the Wi-Fi instead of, like, saying if you could come in. Yeah, and, like, he didn't, like, tell us. Like, he could have told us. And we like, <laughs> yeah, fine, come on in or, like, come say hi. But the same day, I think, I think, I think we had caught him in the act because he actually came over as a rebuttal for our prank. And he took all the air out of our front tire. <laughs> so, like, the next day we got in to get the in the car to go to go to the rink or something and, and hoff was driving and you know the, the we just we just heard like clunk 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 and like we had no air in the tire and like we, we literally got like maybe 100 feet out of our flat and that was it and i think we had to take a taxi to the rink or something but like we ended up like going to like the the dealership and saying like oh we got a flat tire can you fix it and they fixed it we paid for it and everything and then like maybe two or three months later Carl finally came out and he was like, ha, got you guys. <laughs> and we were like, Carl, that happened like three months ago. Like, what, what are you talking about? But like, we said to him, like, Carl, you, you, you could have killed us. Like, you could have died. But like, it was just, yeah, it was, it was funny. But that, Oh, man, like, literally, Carl would come over and then I lived next by with the kids and you and Hoth were there like, it was an awesome time, man. That year we all lived by each other and like Carl and Hoth and you and like, it was, it was a fun time, eh? The George brothers would come over. All the time. Oh man. And then when they dressed like happy Gilmore, I uh, remember that Halloween outfit. Well, they were the first, those George brothers, like we need to talk about them because they're absolutely awesome dudes. Like, when I, I need to have them on. Like, I need to have them on soon. Realistically, they should have been on during trying to be number one in the UK because they're the best. Yeah. They, um, when I, when I first came over here, I think the first day we were here, we had a golf tournament and I was paired up with them. And like, I don't think I've ever got on with a group of guys ever in my life like that. Like they were just like, I think we all looked a bit similar too. So we were like kind of three brothers, right? Like, I don't know if you saw that picture, but yeah oh i remember that picture if you could send it to me i'll post it with you know like because they were the best people they're the funniest people they're the funniest brothers i've ever met like i just they're the best the way they made us all feel at home that first golf tournament when you were in their group and i could tell how much fun you were having at the end of your round and i had played around and then i saw what you guys were doing and i was like how do I get to be a part of that? Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're, honestly, I, I see them all the time here now, and, like, they're good friends of mine still, and, like, they're just, they're just awesome dudes. You got to have them on, Wally. I know. I, uh, you're right. Pressure's on. Like, it is time. Like, they, they're the best. Um, They really are. They, they are a lot of the Cardiff Devils. So, like, are they still around the team like they used to be or no? I mean, I would assume so, but there's been no team for like two years. I guess that's right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I don't think I have anything else um, for this episode because you are a repeat potter. Um, but uh, 
the only, I don't know which, okay. I'm going to give you the option here. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you the option. Um, we're after Cardiff, I got um, about 10 minutes until I got to be a dad again. So do you want to talk about leaving Cardiff and going to Glasgow and fighting Lordo? Or do you want to go to the ice hockey club, Hartzer Falcons and whatever you don't talk about, we'll just talk about next time. I'm going to go to the Harzer Falcons because uh, it's a positive thing. And we, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. The other one we can save for a different podcast because that could be a long one. Uh, okay, fair enough. Let's go to the Harzer Falcons and the shootout. The shootout? Oh, you're being specific. Well, no, I'm saying just tell me about your year there. Um, and how it all ends. That's your last year of hockey. And then I think we'll shut her down because uh, you're a repeat potter. You got too much. And I, sorry. I think we've done pretty well, really. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was, that was, um, so before that, before that season, I decided for myself that this was going to be my last year of hockey. And for whatever reason, I really wanted to play in Italy and I wanted to play in the Alps league. Cause I just thought it'd be great to play some hockey and, ski and kind of have some fun my last year so that was kind of what my my focus was and and i don't know i found out that they like to sign their players later than most leagues so they would sign their players in august so i kind of turned down a lot of offers um uh, to go and hopefully have an opportunity there and then august came and i I didn't get anything Um, so i had nothing and i had no plan b Um, so i i was at home and wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And then all of a sudden this offer came through to, uh, from Germany and it was probably October and it was uh, right around Thanksgiving time. And, you know, it was a pretty decent offer, but it was in the third league there. And I just thought, well, whatever, I wanted to play hockey. Um, I know I'm not playing next year. So this will be my last year. I'll go see a different country. So I went there and, you know, the, the people I met there were some of the best people um, I've ever met. And I still speak to them. They're just, you know, I'm sure you know Wally. Like German, Germany is just a great country. Um, oh, I really enjoyed yeah. it there. You know, it was just it's just such a great great group of people and just a great great place. I really liked it there. Um, it really is a great atmosphere. You get the music playing. You got like no, it is. Um, but um, so, what's the season like? And then, what's your last? Yeah, so, give me the season to your last game of professional hockey. So, my my team was we, we weren't a very good team. Um, we you know we it was a small town. They they tried their best, but like you know we we were we were not a very good team, uh, which was fine. Like a lot of kids um, on the team, like they had uh, you know nine to five jobs during the week, and they'd come and train after, and you know that was whatever. That's just how it was. Um, so it was a bit of a struggle to compete with like the top teams, but we did okay. And, um, you know, I, I enjoyed my year. It was, it was, it was great. But then towards the end of the season, um, we, um, one of our last games was against, uh, I think we were like second last place and the team that we were playing was the team below us. So like, that was like, that was our time to shine. Like that was the only game we we're going to win. So we played that team at home and, I honestly had probably one of the best games of my career. Like I, I think I scored two goals, like absolute snipes, like top cheese, like perfect goals. And 
had a knife assist. We went to overtime. We won in a shootout in overtime in our own rink. And these people were going absolutely bonkers like we had won the Stanley Cup. And it was probably our second win of the whole season. So it was just like, it was our Stanley Cup. And we went to a shootout and I think that the score was like 6-6 or something. And, you know, we only, we could only have two imports. So our, our other import was, a well, I was one. The other guy was a Swedish guy. And he just kind of always did these ridiculous moves that like he would never do. And he, <laughs> our coach puts him up and like, if he scores, we win. So he's coming down the shootout and he does the Patrick Kane Superman like to a T, like perfect. Like he slides the puck off his stick and then hits it in with his hand and like, or sorry, hits it off his hand and the stick. And the referees just had never seen that before. They were like, don't oh. you throw your glove? No, he, so the puck's in front of Oh, him. you fought, pretend like you fall, push yeah. it with your right arm to your left stick and then knock it in. Yeah, so you push with your hand and it hits off your stick. Um, if you just YouTube Patrick Kane Superman, you'll see it. But so he did that exact move and he scored. And it was it was sick. And we all watched it. And like as hockey players, we knew what that move was. But the fans were like perplexed. And the referee didn't know if he should call it a goal or not. And he did call it a goal. And the other team went absolutely nuts. And meanwhile, this is like the two worst teams in the league having like a playoff game seven type thing. And he scored. And it was like we won the Stanley Cup. And I just could not imagine like having a better last game in my career. So like to be able to go out on that kind of a note was, was very special because, um, you know, not many people get to do that. So um, I was very lucky. No, man, that sounds like the coolest shootout I've ever heard of. Um, a guy doing that in a real game is uh that's strange, but that it actually worked out. Like what would happen if that guy does that move and then just like face plants into the goalie and <laughs> you're like, well, that was weird, <laughs> but that stuff happens in Europe. I've seen it. Um, and like, I, it's taken months. It's, you know what? I've been a busy guy. You've been a busy guy. You're running hockey schools. You got a young kid. I got to, and I have to do stuff now. Um, and if anybody needs a heavy spray from Lakeside Organic Glow, just remember Wally 15. Um, but uh, I, I got to have the kids here soon and it's dinner time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a busy time in our lives. And I hate to do this because it took me... Uh, this long to have young because you were so upset with me last time. Well, Wally, sometimes you got to have some bigger bait to land the big fish, right? Well, you know, I know you always thought you were the big fish and Mike, you know, I had to protect you a lot because of all the shit you do out there. And I'm just glad I could protect you that your head's not messed up after all these years because of uh, these bricks over here. But, you know, everybody's got their role and, uh, we, we, you know, I, I, I was there for you and I'm, I'm glad I was, you know, it, it, it made playing hockey, I'm sure easier for you. Right. Well, I mean, I know that I don't have to deal with Kevin Noble anymore because he's sort of now. So, I mean, well, yeah. And you, you remember my time in Daytona beach, man, I was upset about being down there. I was knocking guys out. Don't be little elf. <laughs>
Ah, oh, man, this has been so much fun, man. Like, I wish we could do it longer, but guess what? We don't have to do these for three hours because we just do them again. Okay, yeah, buddy. buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, sorry, we couldn't go for five hours because I really wanted to. And this has been another episode of Two Ales and Hoggy Tales. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Santa Claus. I'm like Pizza Towns and I'm always speaking my mind. I'm not